Birdie, the conductor of the story train. I'm the one that wears a green baseball cap with a little white birdie on the front and my favorite overalls. All aboard the story train. Find a comfy seat. We're about to leave the station, and you know what that means. We're going someplace new. One whistle. We're on our way. I wonder where Story Train will lead us this time. We're entering the Rainbow Tunnel. Hold on, everyone. It's off to far, far away. This is so exciting. Just on the other side of the short Rainbow Tunnel lies our destination. That was quick. We're already at the end of the tunnel. Oh, I know this place. It's a small and unhappy house. Let's peer inside to see how misery can be turned to joy with hope and kindness. Today's story is called Cinderella. There was once a man whose beloved wife died, leaving him with a young daughter. The man loved his little daughter very much and wished for her to have a happy home again, despite his own grief. So he married a second time, thinking that a new wife would breathe life and happiness back into their saddened home. But unfortunately, his second wife turned out to be nothing like his first wife. Where his first wife had been kind and humble, his second wife was the most disagreeable and proudest person you can imagine, and she had two daughters exactly like herself. Scarcely had the second marriage taken place than the stepmother became jealous of the good qualities of the man's little girl, who was so much more beautiful both inside and out than her own two daughters. The stepmother gave her all the menial occupations of the house, forcing her to wash the floors and staircases, to dust the bedrooms and clean the grates. Meanwhile, the second wife gave her own children lives of leisure. She allowed them to each have a carpeted bedroom hung with mirrors, where they could see themselves from head to foot. While her husband's poor little girl was sent to sleep in an attic on an old straw mattress with only one chair and not a single mirror in the room, the little girl suffered in silence, not daring to complain to her father, who was bossed around mercilessly by his new wife. When her daily work was done each day, she would sit down in the chimney corner amongst the ashes. This caused her two mean stepsisters to give her the nickname Cinderella. But Cinderella, however shabbily dressed, was more beautiful than they were, even with all their fine clothes. It happened that the king's son decided to hold a ball, to which he invited all the ladies in society, including Cinderella's two older stepsisters. The stepsisters were very proud and happy to be invited to this event, and spent all their time deciding what they should wear. This became a source of new trouble for poor Cinderella, whose duty it was to dress them in fine linen and laces. 
she could never please her two horrid stepsisters, no matter how hard she tried. They talked of nothing but their clothes. I, said the elder, shall wear my velvet gown and my trimmings of English lace. And I, added the younger, will have my ordinary silk petticoat, but I shall adorn it with an upper skirt of flowered brocade, and shall put on my diamond tiara, which is a great deal finer than anything of yours. At this the elder sister became angry, and a fight broke out between the two of them. They demanded that Cinderella decide between them who would look better at the ball. Cinderella gave them both the best advice she could, and gently offered to dress them both herself, and especially to arrange their hair, which she had a real talent for. The important evening arrived, and Cinderella exercised all her skill to make her two stepsisters look nice. While she was combing out the elder sister's hair, this ill-natured girl said sharply, Cinderella, do you not wish you were going to the ball? Ah, said Cinderella sadly, you are only mocking me. It is not my fortune to have such a pleasure. You are right, her stepsister retorted. People would only laugh to see a little cinder wrench like you at a royal ball. Cinderella bit her lip at her stepsister's taunting, and she managed to hold back her tears as she watched her stepsisters and stepmother leave for the ball in their coach later that night. But as soon as their coach had whirled them away, Cinderella sat down by the kitchen fire, let her feelings out, and cried. Immediately, her godmother, who was a fairy, appeared beside her. "'What are you crying for, my dear?' Oh, I wish, I wish. Cinderella's sobs stopped her from finishing. You wish to go to the ball, isn't it so? Cinderella nodded to her fairy godmother. Well then, you shall go. First run into the garden and fetch me the largest pumpkin you can find. Cinderella did not understand what this had to do with her going to the ball, but she went out and found a pumpkin nonetheless. Her fairy godmother took the pumpkin, and having scooped out all of its insides, struck it with her magic wand. It became a splendid coat lined with rose-colored satin. Cinderella gasped with wonder. Now, fetch me the mouse trap out of the pantry, my dear. Cinderella brought it. It contained six of the fattest, sleekest mice. The fairy godmother lifted up the wire door, and as each mouse ran out, she struck it and changed it into a beautiful black horse. Cinderella rubbed her eyes in disbelief. Hmm, but what shall I do for your coachman, Cinderella? Cinderella suggested that she had seen a large black rat in the rat trap, and that he might do. You are right. Go and look again for him. The rat was found, and the fairy made him into a most respectable coachman, with the finest mustache imaginable. She afterwards took six lizards from behind the pumpkin frame and changed them into six footmen, all in splendid livery, who immediately jumped up behind the carriage as if they had been footmen all their lives. Well, Cinderella, now you can go to the ball. 
Oh, dear fairy godmother, not in these clothes," said Cinderella piteously, looking down at her ragged frock. Her fairy godmother laughed and touched her with the magic wand. Her wretched, threadbare jacket became stiff with gold and sparkling with jewels. Her woolen petticoat lengthened into a gown of sweeping satin, from underneath which peeped out her little feet, no longer bare, but covered with silk stockings and the prettiest glass slippers in the world. Now, Cinderella, depart. But remember, if you stay one instant after midnight, your carriage will become a pumpkin, your coachman a rat, your horses mice, and your footmen lizards, while you yourself will be clothed in rags once more. Cinderella promised to leave the ball before midnight without fear. Her heart was so full of joy. Meanwhile, at the palace, the king's son had been told by a magic whisper from the fairy godmother that an uninvited princess, whom nobody yet knew, had decided to stop by the ball. The prince waited eagerly at the entrance of the castle, waiting to receive her. He offered his hand to Cinderella as she arrived, looking exactly like a princess, and led her with the utmost courtesy through the assembled guests. Who stood aside to let her pass, whispering to one another, "Oh, how beautiful she is!" Cinderella's triumph was complete. All the court ladies scanned her eagerly, clothes and all, determining to have theirs made next day in exactly the same pattern. The prince himself led her out to dance, and she danced so gracefully that he admired her more and more. Indeed, at supper, which was fortunately early. The prince's admiration quite took away his appetite. While she was talking with the prince, she heard the clock strike a quarter to twelve, and so, with a curtsey, Cinderella let the prince escort her from the ball to her carriage. Please, oh please, mysterious princess," said the prince. "If I hold another ball tomorrow night, will you come?" Cinderella did not know if she could, so with a small smile, she told the prince that she would try. Then off she went in her carriage to arrive safely home before midnight, when the spell ended. Once she returned, Cinderella found her fairy godmother waiting up for her. Cinderella begged permission from her fairy godmother to go to the second ball that the prince had invited her to the following night. But before her fairy godmother could answer, her two stepsisters were heard knocking at the gate. Quickly, the fairy godmother vanished, leaving Cinderella sitting in the chimney corner, rubbing her eyes and pretending to be very sleepy in the ashes. Ah! cried the eldest sister maliciously. It has been the most delightful ball, and there was the most beautiful princess there I've ever seen. Really? said Cinderella indifferently. And who might she be? Nobody knows, though everybody would give their eyes to know, especially the prince. Is that so? Replied Cinderella, a little more interested. Oh, I should like to see her. Will you not let me go with you tomorrow, sisters, and lend me your yellow gown that you wear on Sundays? What? Lend my yellow gown to a Cinderella like you? <laughs> I should think not. Cinderella shook her head sadly. 
The next night came, and the two stepsisters, richly dressed in different outfits, went to the ball again with their mother. Cinderella, more splendidly attired and more beautiful than ever, followed the three of them to the palace shortly after. Now remember to return by midnight, was her godmother's parting speech. And Cinderella left again without fear, thinking that it would be no problem to return before midnight. But the prince's attentions to her were even greater than they'd been the first evening, and in the delight of listening to his pleasant conversation, time slipped by. While Cinderella was sitting beside him in a lovely alcove and looking at the moon from under a bower of orange blossoms, she suddenly heard a clock strike the first stroke of twelve. She got up in a panic and fled! Amazed, the prince followed her, but he simply could not catch up. Cinderella arrived at home breathless and weary, ragged and cold, without a carriage or footmen or coachmen. The only remnant she had of her past magnificence was one of her little glass slippers. The other one she had dropped as she ran away from the ball. When the two sisters returned, they were full of this strange adventure, how the beautiful lady had appeared at the ball more beautiful than ever and enchanted everyone who looked at her, and how as the clock was striking twelve, she had suddenly risen and fled from the ballroom, disappearing and dropping one of her glass slippers behind her. They said that the king's son had been inconsolable until he happened to pick up the little glass slipper, which he carried away in his pocket. He behaved like a man very much in love. In fact, from his behavior during the remainder of the evening, all the court and royal family were convinced that he had become desperately enamored of the wearer of the little glass slipper. Cinderella listened in silence, sadly turning her face to the kitchen fire. And the next morning she went to her weary housework again just as before. A few days after, the whole city was attracted by the sight of a herald going around with a little glass slipper in his hand, publishing, with a flourish of trumpets, that the prince ordered it to be tried on the foot of every lady in the kingdom, and that he wished to marry the lady to whom it belonged. Princesses, duchesses, countesses, and simple gentlewomen all tried it on, but being a fairy slipper, it didn't fit any of them. And besides, nobody could produce its fellow slipper, which lay all the time safely in the pocket of Cinderella's old drab dress. At last, the herald came to the house of her two stepsisters, and they made every attempt to get their clumsy feet into the glass slipper, but without luck. Let me try it on, said Cinderella from the chimney corner. What? You? cried the others, bursting into shouts of laughter. But Cinderella only smiled and held out her hand. Her mean stepsisters and stepmother could not prevent her from trying it on, since the command was that every young woman in the city should try on the slipper. So the herald had Cinderella sit down on a three-legged stool in the kitchen, and himself slid the slipper onto her foot which it fitted perfectly. Cinderella then took from her pocket the fellow slipper, which she also put on and stood up. At that moment, with the touch of the magic shoes, Cinderella's entire dress was changed from rags into a gown. She again appeared as the beautiful lady whom the prince loved. 
Cinderella's stepsisters and stepmother recognized her at once in the gown as the princess they so admired. Filled with astonishment, they threw themselves at her feet, begging her forgiveness for all their former unkindness. Cinderella raised and embraced them, told them she forgave them with all her heart, and only hoped they would be kind to others in the future. Then she departed with the herald to the king's palace and told her story to the prince and his royal family, who were not in the least surprised, for everybody believed in fairies and everybody longed to have a fairy godmother. For the young prince, he found Cinderella more lovely and lovable than ever and insisted upon marrying her immediately. Cinderella never went home again, but she saw her kind father often. It's time for us to head back to Pflugerville. Here comes the Rainbow Tunnel. Come back and see me again. You never know where the story train will take us. And if you like stories, search for Go Kid Go wherever you listen, and you'll find lots of great adventures. See you next time! Go Kid Go!